0: We are working through Galatians, and uh, it is a great book to be going through. It's taking a little longer than I had originally thought when I set out the sermon series map, but that is totally okay. We're going to step into another four weeks of Galatians, and we're going to get through chapter three and part of four in these next four weeks. And uh, I just, I couldn't be more thrilled because there's so much good happening here. I mean, we're talking about Galatians being a book of a new church that's, that's got this new emphasis, this new understanding of Jesus, and then a bunch of traditionalists coming in and saying, this is the way it ought to be. And as promised church is a new church, and we have great expectations and a great focus on what God has called us to do, including adopt a street, as I talked about a little bit ago, we, we are always in this constant awareness that we have traditions that have gone before us. And, and they could easily be putting expectations upon us that aren't necessarily what God has called us to do. And so as we go through Galatians, this is what we are um, what we're working on to see how God wants to develop us as a congregation. So it's week 11 of Galatians, and I'm loving the engagement with the book, and it's bringing us to a sure foundation of where our faith is rooted. So today, I'm going to read Galatians 3, 1-5, to 5. and if we take it in the context of the entire book so far, everything about it has been about moving us from a position of, uh, you know, understanding Paul's gospel, understanding why he believes it, to now we're moving into Paul's complaint. And Galatians 3 is at the climax of his complaint. He's just finished Galatians 2 with saying, I'm crucified with Christ, and now he's saying that here's his climax. So let me read it, and then I'm going to pray. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteous. So this book keeps on getting more and more intense. And, and, and he's, he starts off with, Oh, foolish Galatians! Oh, have you ever been yelled at? Like as an adult? Like actually yelled at? Is someone ever just dug into you? I had this experience... A few weeks ago with my mechanic i was taking my crv into the mechanic because the engine was running like garbage and uh and it shouldn't be because it's still a relatively new crv for honda standards and my mechanic is just like don't you ever check the oil man don't you ever like do anything to maintain your car and i was like all my oil changes are up to date he goes where do you do your oil changes and i'm like I do them at like a, at a rapid lube place because you're too busy. And, uh, and, and it's true, he is a very, he's one of the best mechanics and, and so he's very busy and, uh, and he was like, oh, you can't do that. And he's yelling at me because I didn't do enough to protect the engine of my car. And like he's getting red in the face and his voice is raised and I'm like, eventually after five minutes of listening to him rant, like literally rant, I was like, you, you know, I could actually just find another mechanic. It's not going to be that much of a problem. And, uh, and he eventually told me, he's like, your, your car's uh, pretty much a write-off. You're going to need to buy a new car because the repair's about $9,000. And he explained all of this stuff and eventually calmed down. And so I took the car to somewhere else. Anyways, um, and, and, and it's been about a month. And so, but the point of the story is that I realized how awkward it was to be yelled at as an adult. And when I'm reading this, every time I read the book of Galatians out loud, it climaxes right here to say, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? When When we're getting to that point, we're just like red in the face going, what are you thinking? Literally, what are you thinking? Who is able to convince you of something that's so illogical? are you under some type of spell or enchantment like how are we going to explain how you got from where we started to where we are now <clears throat> so in this passage paul is genuinely baffled he's he's very he's very confused about why people are falling for this and why you know that they're falling for a marker of inclusion a way to say oh well now you're included in why people are falling in that when It's clearly portrayed that it's faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. And the reason that it's faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, Paul has already made very clear to us, but he repeats again here, is Jesus was publicly crucified unspoken in this part, is also resurrected. Jesus was also resurrected, which gave him all of the vindication of being Lord and Savior, God with us. It's all of those things all wrapped up into this moment that's coming up in just a few weeks that we celebrate at Easter. Publicly crucified, witnessed as resurrected. So if Jesus is crucified and resurrected and shown to be the faithful human, the one that Adam was called to be, the one that, that Israel was called to be, Jesus actually fulfills. That faithful human who obeyed God in every way, even to the point of death as we went over last week. And so here we begin today. Let me pray. God, I just pray today that as we look at what baffles Paul, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would speak in the next words of this message. God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would would stir in our hearts, would affect us deeply, would change our identities to be more in line with Christ Jesus. God, I pray that Your work would be real and eternal in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to interact with this sermon today either on promisechurch.community under today's message. There's a text box. You can interact there. Or you can interact on Slack with us and have this conversation um, about. and. and so we're, we're going to have these conversations, and I see a, a relevant marker already. Mark Dean is not my mechanic. <laughs> when Mark Dean yells at me, it's for something totally different. <laughs> and so um, this is, a, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a good thing. So here, let's, let's move into the next verse here. It's in verse two. Paul says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by hearing with faith. When we understand our starting place, the peace that initiates us into Christianity, we can evaluate how we're moving from there and to where we're going. The question here is really important. Did you receive the Spirit? I'm gonna pause right there. It's a really important question for us. Did you receive the Spirit of God? Let me clarify what I'm pressing here. I'm not asking if you can speak in tongues. I know we're a Pentecostal church and that's our distinctive and blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying, did you receive the Spirit of God? I'm not asking you if you go to church and if you're regular or if you're moral. I'm asking you, did you receive the Spirit of God? Does God live in you? Does, does he live in you? It's a very important question about what we believe about God that tells us about what we believe about being a Christian. Paul assumes that the Galatian church is going to have no problem answering this question because, because he, he was so involved in their conversion moment and he's seeing hey, you, you've been distracted, but, but for us... I wonder sometimes if we make too many assumptions. I was a teenager, and I used to, well, my friend Dan, who was with us last week, if you, if you go back last week, that's, that's my friend Dan, he's been friends with me for years, put up with a lot of my stuff, but one of, the, one of the things that he did when we were younger is he had a license and a car, and I didn't. And so we would be hanging out with our friends from church youth group, and we would be going places, and I just started assuming that I would just hop into Dan's car. And he would take me wherever, wherever we're going and, and whatever. And, and one day, Dan pulled me aside. He goes, you are making big assumptions here. Like, you still need to ask. You still need to ask for a ride. Like, yeah, you're my friend. I'd love to give you a ride, but you can't just assume that I'm going to give you a ride. And, and so I wonder if what we do inside of church culture is sometimes we make too many assumptions. Sometimes we actually make it seem like, oh, well, if you go to church, you're a Christian. Did you... Receive the Spirit of God. Today I'm asking us to search our hearts. Does God have residence inside of you? Have you asked God to live in you and submitted your will to His will? Have you put yourself to the side saying I am going to only obey what I see the Spirit of Christ doing? And this is a really, really big point that we can't just gloss over. Did you receive the Spirit? Do you have access to God? It's critical. It's critical. I'm afraid that as pastors and Christians, we we sometimes make too many assumptions about what being a Christian is. And Paul sets it right. Here, did you receive the Spirit of God? What does it mean to have the Spirit of God? Romans eight fourteen to seventeen says: For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For did you not receive the Spirit? Uh, for you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. The promise of Christianity is God will live with you through the person of Jesus. Today, I ask you, if you've received the Spirit of God by faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. You know, I know that many of you viewing today would easily answer this question and would say, yeah, absolutely. I I know God is with me. I know His presence. I know His transforming, molding way in my heart. I have seen the transformation in my life. I know that God is with me. I have that assurance that God is with me. I know that many of us watching have that assurance, but many of us watching also struggle with this question. As I keep on pressing it, I know that there's a discomfort growing in some of our hearts saying, wait, how do I answer that question? How do I know? How do I, how do I actually engage that? And so the, the promise is that God will live with you through the person of Jesus. See, sometimes we want to have God living with us, we are trying to be a good enough person to fit into the Christian mold. We can force ourselves to go to church and sometimes enjoy it, and a lot of times actually enjoy it because it's really good. I like it. <laughs> but we, we really can, can struggle and say, I, I still have a lack of clarity on this point have I received the Spirit of God? So I've said it time and time again, and I'll say it again, that the important piece here that we really want to notice is, is that in Christianity it is very different than other world religions because this is not a, con- a construct in which we gain God's approval through jumping through hopes and trying to get to God and somehow bridging the divide between the divine and the human. That's most every other religion in the world if they even care about God there are religions that don't care about God but Christianity says God the creator of the universe the one who has all powerful and all knowing the one who is over all lord almighty wants to know you wants to have a relationship with you and so that God has done everything to live with His presence in you. That is the Holy Spirit. To live in you, to dwell in you, to shape you and to form you, to define who you are. The question is, do you receive that Spirit? See, why is Paul so mad? Paul's upset because there are people who are bewitching and causing people to doubt, saying, here's the answer to the question, you can receive the Spirit of God by trying hard. Paul's upset because people are saying you have to do something to access God. Paul's upset because that is decidedly not how God chooses to live with people. God chooses to live with people by something far greater just by the Spirit. So, Paul's expanded question, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? If you struggle to answer the question in the first section, let me show you how you can receive the Spirit. You hear with your ears and you place your life-defining trust in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ the resurrected Lord. When you come to that place, when you put faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, that's how Paul says right here, you receive the Spirit of God. God is able to come and reside in you, to change you at the core of your being. It's not like a biological God lives inside of your heart, but it is at the core of your person. God speaks With his spirit he changes your values he grows you in stature and wisdom and understanding he gives you his perspective on the world and it's starkly different than the world's perspective starkly different there was never anything that you could do to reach god So God came to you, Jesus, led us to Him. And now you can breathe a breath of fresh air. Now you can breathe the Spirit of God. Because Jesus came from God, was faithful to everything that God said, and redeemed all of humanity. Now we can live with God's presence. So did you receive the Spirit by placing faith in Jesus? Yes. That is how you receive the Spirit of God. It's not by any other works. So Paul's so upset because there are people who imply that you have the Spirit within you because of your participation in the religious construct. The getting morally correct, the 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 rules for belonging, the the content or the cultural normative social things that we set up, and people are are saying that's how we know you belong. But but Paul's saying we be- you belong because you have the spirit because of Jesus. You have the spirit because of Jesus. So for anybody who struggled with the first section who said I don't know do I have the spirit, the question pushes back one, and it says. Do you believe that Jesus was faithful to God in all ways and is saving you? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you hold on to that? And it's when we do that that the Holy Spirit comes and starts to work on this. You know, there was a logical inconsistency that was foolishness in Paul's eyes in Galatians 3.3. He said, are you so foolish that having begun in the Spirit, you're now trying to be perfected in the flesh? How can you be that type of foolish?" It's really hard talking to people outside of the church right now in today's culture because so many times I talk to people outside of the church, they, they keep on telling me time and time again that they're not good enough to come to church. And maybe today you're one of those people that maybe you picked up a link somehow on YouTube or, or on, a, on a social media and you've, and you've picked up the link and here you are. This is your first church experience and, and you have believed that somehow you're not good enough to come to church. But the point of receiving the Spirit is so that God works in you. You received the Spirit. He's the one who's doing the work. You cannot be perfected now by the works of the flesh. You can't be perfected now by doing the cultural things that are—they—they they mean that you're in the in-club. That's not what's perfecting you. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the one who is leading you into new life. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion even until the day of Christ. will carry it through to completion. God began a good work in you. When you place faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, God begins a good work in you. Have you been now perfected by things in the flesh? No, it is by the Spirit that He begins a good work, and He is relentless. He will continue that work even until the day of Jesus. Even until the day when Jesus returns, when the dead in Christ will rise, when we'll meet with Him in the air, and then we will be transformed. This, this mortal body will put on immortality. We, we see that the, that the hope is not in how much I persevere and, and, and put my nose to the grindstone, but, but it's rather I put my hand to the plow and I look to the trajectory that said, Jesus is coming and he's going to make me right. And I'm not gonna look to any other marker. I'm not looking to the left or to the right. I'm looking to the return of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I put my hand to that plow and I go straight ahead. It's not by my works so that nobody can boast. And I'm just throwing scripture it all over now. Crazy. So, we aren't perfect, but we have an obsession with it. See, I think all of us, we hate the evil that affects us and we want it gone. But our legal ways, our religious systems, they can't legislate away the evil. It truly takes us to place faith in the faithfulness of Jesus and have the Spirit within us transform our hearts and our minds and our bodies. The whole Torah served not to purify people but to point out the way that they ought to live. I love that. Someone just wrote, it's who you know and not what you do. That we know Jesus. And that's the one who is working in us. Are you now being perfected in the flesh? In the flesh, assumes that we are being perfected by the Spirit. You know, as I move into Galatians three five. Does the God who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law, or by hearing? with faith. And it's a rhetorical question. But the answer is clearly he does it by hearing with faith. As we walk in the spirit, a theme is developed by Paul later in the letter, that walk in the spirit idea we'll see in the next, you know, in the next sermon series. But we'll see that there are transformative changes that God brings to us. It's not, it's not something that we do ourselves. The transforming spirit of God is God living in us that we receive by faith just as promised. It's God making it right, just as promised. And it is received by life-altering faith and the faithfulness of Jesus. Jesus was faithful. And because of that, God accepts you as his child. Jesus was faithful and showed that humanity can be made faithful. And God said, There it is. Now I am coming. I am living with you. You understand that I can live with you by the Spirit. And now I will work in you. I will do what I need to do in you. Follow Jesus' example. That's why Paul just previously said, I'm crucified with Christ. In Jesus' example, he laid down everything in obedience to the Father even life itself. And God rose him up in the third day. And now we are called to lay everything down. Know that God loves you. Trust that. Trust His way. It's going to change your life. It's going to challenge you. But it's not for the reason of impressing God. It's simply a result of God living with you god has forgiven you god has accepted you god will be with you to do great works in you and through you today i invite you to pray a prayer of faith with me because this is how we know that we receive the spirit of god let us no on slack or in the get connected thing on promisechurch.community if this is your first time you're praying this with understanding but but really this is about you saying i can trust a god who will make all things right who loves me regardless of where i find myself today and who can give me hope for a future that's what we have in christianity we have hope. We don't have a heavy burden that's like, oh, I have to do all of this to impress God. We have a God who has initiated love, who has initiated relationship, who wants to live with you, and it should not be taken away by any other religious tradition or, 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 or idea of inclusion. That would be foolish. But we receive the Spirit by hearing with Faith. So pray this prayer with me. Today, God, I recognize that there is nothing that I can do to bring You to me. I recognize that Jesus is faithful and makes a way for You to live with me because of His faithfulness. I ask You, Spirit of God, to live within me. To lead me in Your way. I ask You to fully complete the work that You start today even until the day of Jesus' return. I put my life-altering faith in the faithfulness of Jesus who loved me and gave Himself for me so that Holy Spirit can live in me and do His work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. And now when you prayed that prayer, you can with faith say that I did receive the Spirit of God by faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you in person next week here at uh, Bradford United Church. Six church names went through my head at Bradford United Church to, uh, to worship with us as promised, Church. And uh, I just pray that God will bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.